Back in 1973, on Route 43 in Necton, New Jersey, there was a church, small church, that was facing an apparent impossibility. They had just built a small new sanctuary on a piece of land that was recently acquired by the small congregation. But half of that land was a mountain, literally a a wooded hill. So when they finished the sanctuary, the city refused to give them what they call certificate of occupancy because they said, you don't have adequate parking. And that really was a dilemma for them because they already been financially stretched to the limit. They literally have no money. And to make things worse, that 40-foot mountain, wooded mountain, was sort of abruptly rises in the back of the church, very close to the building. And the cost of removing that mountain is really prohibitive, to say the least, for that very small congregation. Uh, So on a Sunday morning, the pastor of the church stood up and he reminded the congregation of the promise of Jesus in Matthew 17, 20. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, and obviously they had a literal mountain, (laughs) move from here to there and it will move, nothing shall be impossible for you. And then the pastor went on to announce that on Wednesday night, he's going to be in the sanctuary praying. And only those who have the gift of faith, those who really believe that God is going to move that mountain, not that He can, but He will, I want you to show up on Wednesday and pray with me. And they said, those of you who are doubting, don't show up. That takes a lot of courage for a pastor of a small church. And sure enough, few people showed up, and that was enough. So they prayed, and they prayed and beseeched the Lord and held onto that promise of God. That was on a Wednesday night. On Thursday morning, Pastor Crawford' phone rang. It was the local telephone company. And the telephone company explained to the pastor rather kind of hesitantly that um, they are in the process of constructing a very high-rise building on the other side of town. Uh, But uh, in order to get the construction going, they needed to fill a swamp. Somehow they heard that they have a mountain behind that church. And they've done their homework, they've done their research, and they've discovered that that mountain had exact right proportion of sand and clay and rocks as they need for the refilling of their swamp. So within weeks, the telephone company came and hauled about 40 thousand square yards of fill. But that's not all. They paved the ground for the parking space. (laughs) But that was not all. They gave the church $5,400. This is a mountain moving faith. Amen. 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 Give God glory. The Apostle Paul lists faith as a gift of the Holy Spirit. And I'm sure there's some of you sitting here saying, gift of the Holy Spirit, faith is a gift, and how in the world we are supposed to be saved by faith alone. That is right. I was not supposed to walk by faith. That's another right. And you're right in asking the question. It's an important question. The Bible said in Ephesians 2.8, For by grace you are saved through faith. Not works, lest any one of you boast. The Scripture talks about faith in three different ways. The Bible talks about saving faith. 
I just read to you from Ephesians. No one can go to heaven without saving faith in Jesus Christ. But then the Bible also talks about walking faith, that is living faith, that is living day by day in absolute trust and confidence in the living God. That is walking faith or living faith. But then the Bible also talks about a gift of the Holy Spirit. It is the gift of faith. So you've got to understand it in those three ways. So what is that gift of faith? Listen carefully. It is the Holy Spirit's given ability to see something that God wants to be done for His glory before it happens. <laughs> Not afterward, before. It is the ability to sustain unwavering confidence in the promises of God in the face of impossibility. It is the ability to discern the will of God and stand firm on that will of God regardless of insurmountable obstacles. It is that ability to believe God for something that is honoring and glorifying to Him when everybody else has given up. It is that ability to hold onto the promise of God when everybody else moved on. <laughs> you see, this is not blind faith. It is confident faith. It is not irrational faith. It is an absolute God-trusting faith. It is not wishful thinking, but God-honoring faith. It is not wanting selfishness, but it is a self-emptying faith. Acts 6, 8 said, Steve, full of faith, did great miracles and signs. I can't think of anything more tragic than people who have been endowed by the Holy Spirit with the gift of faith, and they're sitting on their hands without exercising that gift. Just think of the enormous loss for the kingdom of God. But even what's more tragic is that so many Christians after they come to Christ through faith and by faith, they live their life by sight. They cease to live and walk by faith. While the Scripture makes it clear that everyone who names the name of Christ must walk by faith. There's so many of these gifts are commands for us to walk in, but then there are some who have been given an extra measure of that gift. And we are commanded to walk by faith. Colossians 2.6 tells us that the Christian life is a life of faith, and you cannot live it without faith. Here's what Paul said, as you received Christ by faith. That is saving faith. He said, then you must also walk or live by faith. You don't come in the door through Christ and receive Christ by faith, and then live the rest of your life by sight, live the rest of your life just like everybody else? No, because Hebrews eleven six said, without faith it is impossible to please God. So I'm sure somebody was saying, how do I know if I'm really living by faith or just trusting in my own strength? How do I know that? Well, it's a great question. I'm going to answer it, but I'm going to answer it first in the negative, then I'm going to answer with the positive, all right? Here's the negative. How do you know, if you're a person who is not walking by faith, let me tell you a little bit of signs that you can look for. The person who's not walking and living by faith is the person who is focusing on the problems of life. 
That person is forever focusing on the disappointments of life. They're forever talking about the difficulties of life. They're forever dwelling on the adversities and the troubles of life. That's a narrow focus. Because when faith is an operation, you're going to live above the challenges. When faith is an operation, faith gives hope to, in the midst of hopelessness. Uh, faith sees potential even in the midst of the problem. Faith looks up to the one who is more powerful than our troubles. Faith expects God to bring good out of evil. Faith anticipates the power of God to be manifested in the face of the impossibilities. That is the life of faith that honors God. That is the walk of faith that glorifies God. That is the faith that should be practiced by every child of the living God. But above and beyond that, the Scripture is clear. The Holy Spirit endows some people with a specific gift of faith for God's glory. I want to now come to the positive. Here's the positive side. (laughs) Those with the gift of faith are those who, when all of the odds are stacked against them, they live as if they have no problems. (laughs) Uh, They move forward regardless of the roadblocks. Uh, They operate seeing the will of God has already been accomplished. Uh, They go around rejoicing about what will happen while everybody else is singing the blues. They specialize in the impossible. They sail through the raging waters of the sea. They cross the impassable rivers, and they climb the uncrossable mountains. Those who have the gift of faith is like our Lord Jesus Christ. In John chapter 11, you remember when he came into that cemetery in order to raise Lazarus from the dead, he started praying, Lord, I sure hope you're going to raise Lazarus. Lord, I really hope I… No, that's not how he prayed, right? He said, thank you, Father, (laughs) that you already raised Lazarus from the dead, while everybody else having their hands on their noses because they're worried about the stench. Jesus already thanked the Father for raising Lazarus from the dead. Those who have the gift of faith are like Noah when he was building a boat in the middle of the desert, (laughs) and he kept on looking up in the face of criticism and in the face of ridicule. He did not doubt the will of God because it was revealed to him. Those who have the gift of faith are like Nehemiah. When Nehemiah went back from Persia to build the wall, his enemies were trying to trick him. His people doubted him. In fact, his friend even tried to persuade him, but he went on building the wall. Those who have the gift of faith are like Moses. You know, when Moses was trying to be persuaded by Pharaoh to compromise and to do partial obedience and just do a little bit of obedience, and he said, you take so and to get out of there, leave some here, and go out in the desert and worship your God. And Moses said to him, no, sir, basta Pharaoh, no way. He said, in fact, that's just rough translation, but he said, he said, he said, not a hoof is going to stay in the land of slavery. Not a hoof. Those who have the gift of faith are like Joseph. Joseph's dream was thrown into the pit. It was tempted by an immoral woman. It was shattered in the prison of dungeon of Egypt. But the dream never died because he knew it was God's dream. Those who have the gift of faith are like our Lord Jesus Christ. He saw the resurrection even though he was hanging on a cross. 
Those who have the gift of faith are like the Apostle Paul, where he saw all of his accomplishments and all of his wealth, all of the things that he had before Christ like dung, and that's a literal translation, in comparison to the glory of God. It is impossible to pick up a book on faith without reading about this man of faith, George Mueller. Some of you heard me talk about George Mueller before. Uh, This man is truly a challenge to me in a good way. Most of you know the stories of how God provided, how God used that great man of faith, how he trusted God to provide, even though in the last minute, by faith, he operated an orphanage in Bristol, England, and he started with two shillings in his pocket, two shillings. But by faith, 10,000 kids came through the orphanage in a course of 60 years. In one stage, there were 2,000 kids all at the same time, and yet none of them, none of them ever went without a meal. They got close at times. <laughs> it got close, but none of them went without a meal. What is the thing or the things that are keeping us in this 21st century from living and walking by faith? What keeps us from walking by faith is our trust in our statement of net worth. It's our savings accounts. It's our trust funds. It's our investment portfolios. And listen, I I don't want to give you any false guilt. There's nothing wrong with these. But if you want to live and walk by faith, try to take a step of faith every now and again. Test God every now and again. You say, what do you mean by that? Put something of great value at risk for Jesus' kingdom every now and again. Sacrifice something of value for His kingdom and trust the Lord Jesus. Trust Him to do something in response to your faith. Faith is like a muscle. It grows with exercise and it atrophies when you don't use it and you don't exercise it. Do something big like you have never done before and see how God is honored and can be honored by your faith. Well, there are several things I want to tell you about faith, especially those who have been given the gift of faith, whether you know it or not. See, those to whom the gift of faith is given must always, always limit the exercise of that gift to what God wants to accomplish, not what you want to accomplish. And let me stop and tell you right here, experientially, I can tell you that. Faith, enemy number one. Pride. Pride. When God gives you the gift of faith and then you exercise it and say, hey, great, I can do that. You, know, you, you just keep doing it for everybody and everything. No, 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 no. That's not how it's used. Because I have seen people with great gift of faith and now on the heap of Christian history. And you know why? Because pride got in. And they began to exercise the gift based on their feelings and based on needs and based on that and based on the other thing, not based on what God says. Not based on how God led. Guard against pride. Those who possess the gift of faith must always, 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 always ask, is this your will? Is this your desire? Is this something you want me to exercise your gift that you have given me for? Don't be led by needs, only by what God wants. John chapter 11, which I just quoted to you about Lazarus rising from the dead. I'm convinced if the Lord Jesus Christ only said, come out, all the dead people in the cemetery would have walked out. (laughs) 
He has power over death. Amen? Amen. But he says, Lazarus, come out. Only the gift to be used as God directs. Second thing I want to tell you is that you tarry before the Lord and in His presence before you exercise your gift in seeking His will and seeking His mind. And as you pray, always remember to think big things because your trust is in a big God. Amen? Mueller always sought the mind of God before he embarked on any project, before he'd done anything. He always went to the Lord. Is this what you want accomplished? That way, Mueller was resting on the promises of God and the Word of God. That way, he can boldly come before the throne room of God. That way, he said he would pray and he would plead. And he said sometimes he even giving God reasons why he should answer that prayer. <laughs> that way, when answers to prayer are delayed, he was never discouraged. Why? Because he already heard from God. And therefore, he was going to wait however it takes. Uh, that way also, when setbacks came... He's not dissuaded. When hopelessness came, that never discouraged him. When obstacles were seen, the obstacles never deterred him. Once he said, I never give up. Tens of thousands of times my prayers were answered. I never give up. Isn't that amazing? Mueller was such a stickler for details that he kept complete record of his prayer requests and petitions. It came up to 3,000 pages, 1 million words, and 50,000 specific requests and prayers and petitions. I told you this man is a challenge for me (laughs) in a good way. One day, it was a transatlantic ship, and there was very thick fog off of Newfoundland. And the captain of that ship had been on the bridge for 22 hours straight, gazing at the fog, trying to figure out which way to go, how he's going. He gets a tap on the shoulder. He turns around, and there was George Mueller. (laughs) At that time, he was in his 70s. And he said to the captain, he said, Captain, I came to tell you that I must be in Quebec on Saturday afternoon. This was Wednesday. (laughs) And the captain said to him, he said, Mr. Mueller, that's an impossibility. It is absolutely impossible. Mueller's response was, let me read it to you, he said, if if your boat cannot take me there, God will provide some way. I've never broken an engagement in 57 years. And the captain said, oh, Mr. Mueller, I wish I could help you, but I can't. There's nothing I can do. And Mueller said to him, he said, "Um, Let's go below and pray. And the captain kind of scratched his head and he said, Mr. Mueller, can't you see how dense the fog is? He said, no, my eyes not on the fog, but on the God who controls the fog and every circumstance in my life. Finally, the captain acquiesced and they went below to pray. A very simple prayer. Later on, the captain describes it to the biographer. It's the most childish prayer he's ever heard. A childish prayer. I'll read it to you. It's very simple, really. Very short. 
O Lord, if Thou wilt, (laughs) remove this fog in five minutes. (laughs) Thou dost know the engagement made for me in Quebec on Saturday. (laughs) Amen. That was the prayer. That was it. That was the extent of it. Well, when he said amen, the captain, I guess, feeling under obligation, he started praying. At that point, Mueller put his hand on and said, don't, stop, don't pray. <laughs> Man, it would take some courage to do that. He said, don't pray. He said, first, you don't believe that God will do it. Second, God has already done it. So there's no need for you to pray. <laughs> he said, open the door, Captain, and you'll find that the fog had gone. And so it was. And Mueller kept his Saturday engagement in Quebec. I wish I had the time to tell you not only about Mueller's faith and what that faith accomplished, but how many people throughout history that have been impacted by Mueller's faith, and they too exercise faith in the living God and accomplish great things for God. So it's not just what you can do for how impact the younger generation. I wish I have time to tell you about Abigail Towson Luffy, known as Sister Abigail, who with one dollar, one dollar, she founded the Nathan Home for Needy Women in Buffalo, New York. She was inspired by George Mueller. In fact, her father took her and they visited Mueller when she was a little girl, and she remembered that faith. And when she grew up to be a woman, she wanted to do something great for God, and she did. I wish I had the time to tell you more about Sister Abigail. Or Cory Boom, whom I think the world of had the joy of seeing in Australia before she died. And, and what a, a wonderful woman of God, this Dutch woman who saved so many Jews from the certain death of the Nazis in Holland. This woman came with borrowed money across the United States. Her faith was inspired by George Mueller. Well, I can tell you about the life of Hudson Taylor, the founder of China Inland Mission, and how he impacted that nation in the 1800s. And he inspired hundreds and hundreds, I would even say thousands of missionaries who gave up lucrative careers to go and to help reach the Chinese for Christ. He was inspired by George Mueller. Or the Reverend Winfield Rollick who founded Camp Hope for Handicapped Children. He was inspired by George Mueller. The list will go on and on and on, but I know that you don't have the time. But beloved, when you exercise your gift of faith, when you walk by faith, you're not only doing great things for God, but you are going to inspire multiple others of all generations to do the same. For those who have the gift of faith, I want to challenge you to come to the Lord in repentance for not using your gift. I want to challenge you to pray, Lord, help me to be faithful with your gift. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.